Our scripture this morning takes place in the book of of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 16 through 23. And it's actually on page 162 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along with me. I proclaim the gospel. This gives me no grounds for boasting, for an obligation is laid upon me. And woe betide me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if, I, if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this. That in my proclamation I make the gospel free of charge, so as to not make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I am myself not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one uh, outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might by, might by any means save some. I do all it for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Paul defines church planting as one he has little choice. He might say he is dealing with a constraint or an inner compulsion. It is his destiny. Paul understands his work as a charge of stewardship laid upon him. This is the word stewardship that we use every Sunday. It's in your bulletins. And for some reason, we only tie it to the aspect of money. Stewardship, in this sense, is about your time. It's about your life. It's it's about the way that you give back to God. And that's not always in the form of finances. Church planters and missionaries are, are a rare breed. They, they seldomly are sedentary. They, they tend to move. They break new ground to offer the gospel. And one of the most critical requirements is adaptability. The ability to discern clearly between culture and message. Here, Paul reflects that kind of adaptability. He writes that he can adapt to the Jewish and the non-Jewish culture if that will help earn him the right to share the gospel. He then moves over to weak Christians who struggle with guilty consciences over meat offered to idols, while among them he too becomes extremely hypersensitive to their sense of right and wrong. You know, as as a Jewish Pharisee, one of the things that he has to follow is, is Torah in the understanding of how you eat. How is the food supposed to be prepared and who prepares it for him? A missionary can't just go to another country and say, here, uh, I need kosher food when 
prepared by a kosher person when there's not one near, nearby. The rule of thumb that guides such planters and missionaries closes in verse 22 when he says, So I became or I become all things to all people that I may save some of them by any means possible. This lesson reflects Paul's thinking about his calling as more like being under orders or as receiving a special mission rather than picking and choosing a job at a job fair. It's a, it's a different way of thinking of life. So let's think about this idea for just a moment. It's, it's, a, it's more than a mere occupation. It's a calling, a stewardship laid upon them. It's a, a way to comprehend the weight of the divine. It's important for us to look past and to reflect on our own calling and purpose. A sense of responsibility entrusted to him as well as to us. He implies that he is not the master of his own ministry, but a faithful servant entrusted with a sacred task. This challenges us to examine our own understanding of our role in God's overarching plan and how it influences our daily lives, or at least it should. Missionaries, church planners, itinerant workers, they... They live this life. They venture into uncharted territories, continually breaking this new ground. And it's that phrase that I've struggled with since I was 12 years old. I become all things to all people that I may save some by any means possible. You see, I've viewed my calling in a ministry, and I think the reason that I avoided it for so long was is this this idea that as a minister, you become a missionary in some sense from one community to the next. And the things that were passed on for me from my parents and my grandparents and so on and so forth was, is, is that when you go into this new community, that you are to give of your entire being to that group, to the church and to the community that you find yourself in. And you try to be all things to all people. And then the goal is not to save all of them but to save some. And I struggle sometimes with the word saving. It's more about preaching the gospel and allowing God to do the work for the few to hear and the many have the opportunity to have the opportunity to change or to hear this word of God, to be adaptable to where God is challenging them the most. It's a it's a place to step out of our comfort zones, to meet people. Now, this is the most important part that Paul brings to us, to meet people where they are, not where you think they should be. I'm going to say that again. Paul's challenge to us is for us to meet people where they are, not where we think they should be. This is the most important part. Just as Christ met us in our own brokenness, we don't have the right 
to tell them where they should and ought to be. We have the opportunity to share with them what God has done to us and for us through Jesus Christ. It's in the pursuit in this place of advancing the gospel that Paul adheres to a principle that, that completely governs his entire being. He willingly goes to the people, meeting them where they are on their own terms. This approach challenges the notion that individuals must come to us or meet us on our own ground. Paul's conviction underscores a noteworthy confidence in the transformative power of the gospel. Uh, irrespective of the cultural context. I, uh, I had this really interesting conversation with, with my son and uh, inadvertently through some of his friends, and he doesn't know it really. I just was listening to the conversation. He's on this academic team with school, and uh, in, in the academic team, they have to... Oh, and Max is on that team also. Uh, they, they have to memorize all these facts and these figures, and there's a, they have to do computation, which means they pick up their pencil and they start figuring all this stuff out. And, and, I, and I listen to what they talk about in, in, as they prepare for these competitions, and, and one of the things that they don't realize that they're saying to me is, is have adults always been so angry? Have adults always just been so loud? It, it's, it's so fascinating to me. They start talking about the stuff that they're preparing for, and it's, it's, they, there's this war. And, and, they, and they have opinions that they've formed from their research. And, and there's just this, man, there's been a, the phrase, man, there's been a lot of war since. And then the conversation kind of gets to that point where they're so loud. How can, how can they do this? And I remember asking Quentin kind of just in my own way, is, does the world seem loud to you? Or, and he asking me, is the world loud to you because basically I'm deaf? And I'm saying, well, uh, th- I, uh, I grew up with 80s hair bands, so nothing is really loud to me. So I'm so used to turning the volume up, I never realized how much, how loud it is today for them. And I'm not talking about the music. I'm talking about the world that we live in. You see, this is the culture conversation that we have with the gospel. How is it that we're supposed to talk about things when everything is so loud that they can't even hear us? If we're yelling at them and each other. These are the things that Paul challenges us with today. These culture versus gospel lesson. We had this beautiful conversation in Sunday school this morning about uh, how do how do we live in in life? You know, when someone does something wrong to us, you know, it's really hard to say, I'm, I'm not going to get vengeance back on them. It challenges the language when Jesus says to turn the other cheek. Even in the midst of knowing that he isn't surrounded by people that want to hurt him on a daily basis. For no other reason than he's Jewish and he's living underneath the Roman Empire. That culture, context, for us matters. When we embrace and recognize that we as Christians have different perspectives than others, 
And even in this own room, we have different perspectives from the people sitting next to us in the pews. We are challenged to think about Paul's methods as he missions and ministers to others outside his comfort zone. So let's think of it in such a way that Paul is giving us a, a gospel readiness plan or a training workout for us to be prepared to be missionaries or church planters or just the, the voice or ambassadors of Christ's world. So let's look at that. What would it look like if we to live the way that Paul suggests? There are some of us at A, Maybe some of us are hesitant about embracing the adaptability. I'm fine with just the way I am. If, no, if they don't want to know about Jesus the way I'm doing it, it's their problem, not mine. Well, the church has been doing that for a really long time. And my question would be, is, is, is it working for us today? Hmm. Some might say yes. Some would say we have a lot of work to do. Option B. Some of us might be ready for the task, but desire a team for support, which is awesome. You see this in this community already. We saw a need to feed people. We recognize that one person and one group of people couldn't do it by themselves. So we have the food pantry. We have the soup kitchen. We have Meals on Wheels, which you all know is Weedheart. We recognize that these things needed to take place, but we couldn't do it by ourselves, so we created it. Operation Blessing. We recognize that people needed stuff like clothes and furniture and all kinds of things, and they also provide food. And do they do it by themselves? Nope. People participate. They donate. It's something that we have to do together. So our community has the idea, but we are always afraid to voice new ideas. C, some feel exhausted from the journey. If you ask anybody that helps with those programs, they, they talk about it in such a way that they're tired. But not in, you know, a frustrating way. Just like, <sighs> we get to serve more people today. Thank God for this. Even though they're exhausted, they're excited to be able to serve people in the name of God. While at the same time, in letter D, you have some that are extremely raring to go. These are the cheerleaders and exciting people. They're the vision casters that come walking in the door, and they're so excited to be there, and yet they get started and then they disappear. But they've started the journey. Nothing wrong with somebody being excited about sharing the gospel. And then at the end, regardless of, in, in, in letter E, regardless of our current stance, Paul's example encourages us to continually refine our readiness, recognizing that there is a learning curve and that it is integral to our journey. So Paul not only displays adaptability, but also emphasizes the crucial need to discern between culture and gospel. It's a skill that we inherit. It's something that we 
eventually possess. And it's not the same for everyone. And it's equally relevant to every disciple of Christ. And the call to follow Jesus requires us to listen to our culture and discern between the, color, the, the local color and practice, like the tradition, and the eternal truths passed on faithfully from generation to generation. Folks, it's a delicate balance between cultural relevance and that timeless message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we equipped to navigate that discernment process? Do we recognize the need to preserve the core tenets of our faith while engaging with the ever-changing cultural landscape that is so loud that we have our own children say, has there ever been a time that adults weren't angry or yelling at each other? Paul's teachings beckon us to cultivate a deeper understanding of our mission in the world, ensuring that we remain true to that unchanging message of Christ. So as we come to an end, I want you to think about the profound insights that Paul gives to his missionary journey and our own path that we walk on. He challenges us to embrace adaptability, recognizing that meeting people where they are is not a mere strategy, but a reflection of Christ's ministry. Moreover, the, that learning curve embedded in Paul's approach continues to challenge and to refine our, well, what I call the gospel readiness pr program. So whether we find ourselves at the beginning whether you find yourself hesitant, whether you find yourself seeking support or feeling exhausted or raring to go, the journey of discipleship is a dynamic process of growth and transformation. Paul's emphasis on discerning between culture and gospel compels us to navigate that delicate balance between relevance and faithfulness. But we can't do this by ourselves. We should always do this by beginning with a word of prayer. Let's pray. As followers of Jesus, we are called to engage with our culture while remaining anchored in the timeless truths of God's word. May we, like Paul, be vessels of God's love transcending cultural boundaries and proclaiming the unchanging message of Christ in an ever-changing world as we meet people where they are, not where we think they should be. Continue to be with us and guide us in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.